Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, we thank you so much for the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you that he inspires scripture that speaks to our hearts even now. Lord, we're thankful that you sent your son. We're even more thankful that he rose from the grave. Father, that he rose victorious, that he offers victory and life to each of us. And he set the example. God never asked us to do something he didn't do himself through his son. And so this morning, I pray that you help us to realize that the resurrection isn't just for this Sunday, though it be Resurrection Sunday. It is for all of life, that there are results that flow out of the resurrection that ought to touch us each and every day, that ought to affect those that are around us. Father, help us to be yielded to your power and your Holy Spirit that we might influence others. Father, help us to truly understand what the resurrection did in our life. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, I'd really like to focus in on three things that are the results of the resurrection. First of all, you can bless God, the hope that is given through the power of the resurrection and the power of God. Let's talk about blessing God. How's that possible? How how do we, as weak, broken vessels, bless God who is omnipotent only as his son is in us? You know, several times uh, God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And because he lives in our life, therefore we can please the Father. But that we would have an opportunity to bless God. Look at verse 3. Bible says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, for who he is. For who he is. Not, not what he does for us. And he does amazing things for us. But there's a, there's a subtle trap that we can get caught up in the things that he does for us, and we miss him. No, we ought to bless God for who he is. You know, there's only room on, your th- on the throne of your heart for one God, and that's God the Father. That's Jesus Christ. There's no room on the throne of your heart for any other God. And as soon as you put something else there or you put yourself there, you're, you're taking the wrong path to ruin. Satan was upset on the resurrection. He might, he might have joyed in the crucifixion, but on the day of the resurrection, it was that final sentence for him. His, his work is over. His work, there is an end to his time, and it was declared on the resurrection. And yet he, he wants your heart. He wants your heart. He wants to steal that from God. He can't take God on one-on-one, but he, he could come after you. So who is on the throne of your heart? Do you bless God for who he is? Is he truly the God of your life? Um, I I can remember being in college, and we would start college with revival, and I went pre-med, believe it or not. And um, they start off revival, and and I'd never really been in a Baptist church before, and they had this uh, guy, Tom Farrell, and um, he preached fire, literal fire, it seemed like. And I remember at the end of that, um, God calling me into the ministry. And it was not fun trying to convince my parents. It was not fun trying to convince my parents at all. But but there comes a moment, right, of who's God of your life. And, and so that was real pivotal for me. You know, that involved going down and making a decision and surrendering my life. And I'd never even heard of such things before uh, going to college there. But have we really surrendered our life? Is it really God's to use as he wants? Um, I remember we had a deacon in our church, and um, 
and he was faithful in going to Dominican, and he was a doctor. So he would go there. They'd let him in as a doctor, but he would teach Bible there as well. And I remember he was there, and he was ministering on behalf of our church. He had just become a deacon on the same deacon board as me, and he died there. He died serving Jesus. And I thought to myself, what better to wake up in heaven? God asks you, what's the last thing you were doing? I was in the Dominican Republic preaching the gospel for you. And so I didn't know what to do. I knew as a deacon I had a responsibility to the widow, so I went and I started to mow her lawns for her. And I would pray while I mowed the lawn. Did you know you could pray while you mowed the lawn because nobody can hear you? you could, in fact, you could sing to God. Nobody can hear you. You could, do, you, you could practice for your sermon. You could, you could do whatever you need to while you're mowing the lawn. And I said, who's going to go? Who's going to go from our church? Now, our church has a large Spanish population, Spanish-speaking population. And, and so I thought, surely that's got to be someone who speaks Spanish. That's gotta go. And God said, you go. And I said, well, that does not make logical sense. Okay, I don't speak the language. You go. And so I went on a church building trip, and then that turned into we'll be going on trip 11. By the way, I want to tell on your pastor, I, I saw him there. I saw him there. He's ministered there. And um, so is God, God of your life. But I, I really like the next phrase, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy. Did you notice it wasn't his mercy? It's his abundant mercy mercy. Do you need mercy this morning? You know, there's mercy. There's mercy at the cross. There's mercy before Jesus. The Father is willing to extend abundant mercy. You know, if you've, if you've, uh, you know, if you've lived life any, you know that there's that coming back again and again and again. And if we're not careful, sometimes we'll get to that place we don't want to come back to God for mercy. But right here he's declaring to us, because of the resurrection, there is abundant mercy mercy. Would we not be foolish not to take advantage of such mercy and to come to God and to ask his mercy on our behalf? This is the God whom we bless, this God of our life, this God that is the father of abundant mercy. But also note, we ought to bless God for our relationship to him, for our relationship to him. And I'm going to go down to verse 8. Like I said, this sentence is the pivot point of the entire chapter And uh, if we had time, we would do that. We don't. But let's look at verse 8. Whom, having not seen, ye love. In whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Have you ever loved someone you didn't see? Well, if you're a parent, right? I mean, they show you the sonogram, but let's all face it. That doesn't really, right? But have you been there where you already love someone you haven't even seen yet? For months. For months. And think about the joy when they finally arrive. Think about the relief for the month. But think about the joy when they finally arrive. Why? Because you already love that person and you want to meet the person that you love. So do we love God even though we don't see him? And this makes me stop and think, right, about Thomas. And all the apostles telling him about the resurrection, and Jesus was here. And Thomas says, well, unless I see the prince in his hands, unless I see the scar in his side, I'm not going to believe. And we face people that are that way. Unless I, unless I see it, I won't believe it. But think about that abundant mercy of Jesus then who showed himself to Thomas. Right? That's that abundant mercy that came out. Right? How about a belief um, not based on sight? Look at verse, 11, uh, verse 8. Whom having not seen, you love. In whom, though now you see him not, yet believing. 
Do we believe in that Savior whom we don't see? When we do that, we fulfill prophecy. Pastor talked a little bit about a different kind of prophecy, but uh, we fulfill actual prophecy. You know that Jesus said to Thomas after he showed himself, Thomas, you believe now because you see. But how much better those who not seen believe? Do you know you can do that this morning? That you can literally fulfill the words of Christ this morning by believing in the one whom you don't see. Now, I hope you see his hand at work. I hope you see his hand at work. Um, I like to be where God is. I like to be where God is. And when I'm in the Dominican, I just it's just an overpowering sense that God is there. You're exhausted and exhilarated at the same time. And I just, I pray and I ask God, how can I grab that back? Recently, I got to start discipling some um, alumni. And uh, I was telling my teachers the, the next day, you know, it's like being the Dominican for a few hours. You want to feel that, you, you do some discipleship. So do we, have a, do we have a relationship with him? Do we bless God for our relationship to him? Because we have a love not based on sight, a belief not based on sight. But look verse uh, in the same verse, a joy that can't be explained. Whom having not seen, ye love, and whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Do you have that joy that cannot be explained? That cannot be explained. It's something that they can only have if they have Jesus. And you've you've got to get Jesus to them because they're not going to explain it any other way. But it rejoices nonetheless. It rejoices, and it brings him glory. Let's look at what that rejoicing looks like in verses 6 and 7 of the passage. There's a description there. It says, wherein you greatly rejoice. Now, where, when do you greatly rejoice? Though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Do you know you can show great rejoicing in the difficulties of life? That's when lost people notice. When lost people, when there's something going in your life, you can't hide it from anybody else. Yeah, I teach, uh, he talks about, I teach sixth grade, which is the best grade ever. Um, and uh, we, do these, we do these spiritual evaluations at the end of the year, and you could pray a lot of kids getting saved in sixth grade this year. And uh, we really, we've, we've seen God work in that grade. But, you know, I sit there as a teacher, and I go, I've been with these kids for months. They could evaluate me just as easy. The questions that I'm asking. So there's things that happen in our life, and some of those things are heavy, and some of those things are tough, and some of those things are trials. And some of them are even temptations, and people are watching. But when you have joy in the midst of that, it is utterly confusing to people. And they want to know why. They want to know why. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to stir up in other people to ask why so we can tell them who. The answer to why is who. And they don't understand that till they ask why. And so uh, you see in manifold trials and temptations, it goes in verse 7, that the trial of your faith. Did you know there's those out there that want to try your faith? They want to try your faith. Can I encourage you? It's not to win. It's not that. That's not the time to win the argument. That's the time to win a person. It's not the time to win an argument. That's the time to win a person. So there are people that will on purpose come and they will test you and they will try you and they will look to push your buttons because you say that you know Christ. And if you can have the joy in that, there goes that why again. Why? I'm, tr- I'm trying to aggravate them. I'm trying to get them to lose their testimony, though they don't know what a testimony is yet. 
And that brings them to that place of why. And you want them to that why so you can bring them to that who. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perish it, though it be tried with fire, might be found. How do we glorify God? Through praise and honor and glory. And that we keep doing it till Jesus appears. And that we keep doing that Jesus appears. So praise. Well, you've had a time of praise this morning. I'm not really going to spend some time explaining that, but honor. How about this? So at the school, we have honors classes. Uh, We don't have honors Bible. But I remember one time, uh, Mr. Wisher was having such a hard time. Uh, He had to have some kind of heart uh, eye surgery where he had to be like upside down while it healed. And so they said, hey, Mr. Schroeder, you got a science minor. Why don't you take biology? And so I took biology, and the first thing I did is I said, I want every honor student to raise their hand. And every honor student rose their hand. And I said, okay, now after class, I want the kids that are having a hard time, come see me after class. So they don't have to do that right in front of everybody. And so there's one thing to be honors, you know, because of what you know. It's another thing to be honors because you're honorable. So those kids, you know, they came, and Mr. Wisher classes are hard. Um, And they came, and they told me, and they freely admitted that they were having a hard time. So the next day, I immediately changed the seating chart, and I said, I'm going to do something highly unusual. You know how I feel in the classroom about talking. But I put an honor student next to every kid who admitted that they were having a problem, and I said, you are allowed to whisper, and whisper is defined by a certain amount of decibels. You are allowed to whisper because it's honorable to help people that don't know. So listen, if we're not careful as a Christian, we'll think, well, I know all this stuff. Well, you haven't hit honor yet. You haven't hit honor yet. Till you take all that stuff that God's been kind enough to teach you and you give it to someone else. That's when it's honor. So praise and honor and glory. Well, Jesus made the glory part very simple for us. He told us in the Sermon on the Mount that um, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, and honor your Father, which is in heaven. So that's where we glorify God. That's the rejoicing that we're talking about. But not only uh, one result of the resurrection is that we bless God, but the next one's hope. Let's take a look at verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. Do you have a hope that is living in you today? Do you have a hope that you could share with someone else? Is there a hope for, do your circumstances define you or does the hope that is within you define you? Peter says this, be ready always to give an answer to them that asketh you of what? Of the hope that is within you. But if you don't look hopeful, nobody's asking. If you don't look hopeful, nobody's asking. They're not going to ask what's the reason of the hope that you've got if there's no hope there, right? So you can't be, maybe you're ready to answer because you know this, but do you have that hope? Do you have a lively hope? That is, uh, when things are going wrong, what do you say? But, but Jesus rose again. But Jesus rose again. This situation's trying to bring death, and it's trying to bring a conquering into my life. It's supposed to bring dominion to my life. But Jesus said that, listen, sin has no more dominion on you. No more dominion on you. Why? Because he rose from the dead. He broke that power of sin. So there's no more dominion there. So do you have a hope that is living in us today, a hope that you'd be willing to share? But note also the inheritance, the inheritance that God gives you because Jesus rose from the dead. It all rotates around that last verse in verse 3. It's incorruptible. 
it cannot be changed. When, when Jesus gives you something, it, he doesn't take any part of it back. He doesn't take any part of it back. In fact, he's reserving it incorruptible. I have this wonderful memory of going up in my grandmother's attic, and she would have books upon books upon books up in her attic, and I would look at those. But you know, over time, that books become corrupted. The other day, I had this really sad thing. I went to pick up a Bible from that I took on the missions trip, because I know because it had paint from painting widows' houses on it, and um, I picked it up, and it cracked, and it broke. That's one of the saddest things, right? Because you don't want to, you never want to throw the Bible away, but I'm not going to be using that in preaching, for example, this morning. But that doesn't happen with what Jesus gives you. What Jesus gives you is incorruptible, but it's also undefiled. Now, I like this word undefiled because I don't know about you. I didn't get saved until I was 17, my last year of high school, about a month before graduation. I know what it's like to have a defiled inheritance, I know what it's like um, to live in a home where families are broken to the extreme. And that was a defiled inheritance that was facing me. But you know, God can break that. He can undefile it. He can undefile it. And I am committed by God's help to break that cycle of divorce. My kids, they don't know. But I tell you what, my kids come home sometimes. I can remember when they were elementary kids crying why are you crying? I mean, you're, you're crying pretty bad. Why, what was one of my friend's parents getting divorced? Uh, I, I can't tell you how it feels as a teacher with sixth graders and stuff going on with their folks. I can't tell you what that's like. But that's not what God has for us. He has something that, listen, if it was defiled, it is now undefiled. It's undefiled. God has some better future for us that comes out of the resurrection. So it is undefiled. How about this that won't fade away? When I was growing up, I, had, uh, I got one of these extra grandparents. That was one benefit of all those. I had extra grandparents. And it was uh, Papa DiMaggio. Now, Papa DiMaggio was a smart man. He was from Rochester, New York. And he had a grocery store up there. And he had money like you would not believe. He had money like you would not believe, but he would not spend it either um, because he was Italian. And um, so he would not spend it. I remember growing up with he had he didn't understand the whole like stepkid thing. He didn't understand that he treated the kids totally different. But we didn't care. We just loved him. And uh, I remember um, it came to a point where he needed care in his home, and my my stepmom would go and care for him. And um, they were they were going through a lot of financial. They they did right. They did right by their folks, but it cost them financially. And I said, but at the end you'll be okay because he and and no he. He'd lost part of his faculties, and he'd gotten rid of all of his money. And there was, like, nothing left but the house at the end. That, that's the stuff that fades away. Do you know what Jesus gives you? It, it doesn't fade away. It's eternal. It's reserved for you in heaven. That's the, the next point. It's reserved for you in heaven. But here's the thing. Imagine this. Imagine if you knew that you were going to have um, generational riches, Generational riches. This is what I mean. The person before you is so well off that they cannot spend the money during their lifetime. Can't imagine that. But imagine if they have, because I do missions, so I can't imagine that. Um, but imagine that. You know what? You'd live your life preparing to receive that. Because that would be a huge responsibility that you would want to pass on to the next generation. So you'd live your life differently knowing this thing is coming down the pike. Don't you know that that's the truth for you? That you have an inheritance up there. You have an inheritance up there, but do you want just your generation to be there? 
No, you got to live your life so that the next generation will follow you. That, that when, when you pass on, but I'll see them in heaven. You want that funeral packed with people who say, but I will see them in heaven. Why? Because you made sure they were going to heaven. I mean, what a reunion we're going to have there, right? What a reunion we're going to have there. But that this, this treasure, this inheritance, it's reserved in heaven. Well, the power of God. Look at verses 3 through 5, the power of God. So what are the results of the resurrection? That you can bless God legitimately, honestly, sincerely, that you can bless God. What, what other in, blessing, result of the resurrection? Hope. But how about the power of God in verses 3 through 5? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Or who's the you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time? You know, the truths that I'm sharing with you are only true if you're saved. They're only true if you're saved. Look at some other verses that talk about salvation in this chapter, verses 18 through 21. The Bible says, For as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers. Don't just depend on how you've always heard it, what it's always been. I come out of a Catholic family, strongly Catholic, like uh, Chicago Catholic, like Grandpa ruled the family, old school. Chicago, Grandpa ruined. I remember one, one, one uh, person married in. He married into the family. He got that flesh-eating disease, and he was stuck in the hospital. And Grandpa's, uh, the people came to Grandpa's like, we can't do anything about this. What do you mean we can't do anything about this? We're all in the trades. Are you kidding? We're going to completely remodel his house while he's in the hospital. And they completely remodeled his house because every trade was was represented in the Schroeder household. I'm not a trade guy. Um, but every other tra- everybody else was, right? But strongly Catholic. But I remember the day my dad, he got saved. He got saved, and he was kicked out of his family for 10 years, and he did it anyways. He did it anyways when my aunt got saved. But do you know in the third generation how many people are saved, right? And do you know in the generation after that how many people are saved? I want my kids growing up thinking it's normal to go on missions, Every one of my kids has been on a missions trip with me. This summer, I'm glad my kids are going on a missions trip and I'm not going with them. And they ought to think that's normal. My dad does missions. My sister does missions. I was late to the game, but now I do missions. And now my kids do missions. And it ought to be normal. It ought to be that kind of changing in people's lives. Verse 18, not silver and gold, 19, but with the precious blood of Christ. Can I encourage you, if you're sitting here and you haven't, you have not been saved. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. And it, listen, precious blood was shed for you. Precious blood, it says, was shed for you. An innocent man died on your behalf. Why would you not take advantage of that? Why would you not come into all this blessing that we're talking about? Verse 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. If you don't know the word of God, you need it, that it might save your soul. It's something you can trust on that has been true down the ages that God has delivered to us. Verse 25, but the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. I'm not preaching something I came up with. Your pastor's not preaching something that he came up with. This is the truth of the word of God. 
And Peter says, this is the word of God that will change your life. By the way, think of Peter, right? Does he not understand this resurrection power? He betrayed his Lord three times. But resurrection power made him the apostle and the first leader of the church. That's the one that's writing this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. What other kind of power up here? We said in verse uh, in verse three at the end, unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The power of God defeats death. Now, death's primary definition in Scripture is separation, separation from God. If you've been living separated from God, you need resurrection power. You need that. You need that relationship revived. You know, God is always waiting. He's that father of abundant mercy. He's always waiting to revive that relationship. But note this in in verse 5, who are kept by the power of God. When you're saved, God keeps you. He protects you. He keeps you to himself and for himself. He has no desire to ever lose you. And though you might think you've lost your way, He's never lost sight of you, for he's everywhere, all at once, all the time, omnipresent, and he's there with you just waiting for you to call, and then the power of God to enter into your life, to be kept by God, to have faith. God's so, so gracious. When you don't have the faith to have faith, he gives you faith, to give you the faith, and and. God didn't have to, but he proved his power over death by the resurrection. So you always have something to point back to, that resurrection, and so that you might be ready for his return, that inheritance we talked about. Are you living in such a way that you are ready for his return? But how about those around you? Are they ready for his return? I want to thank Dr. Molina for the opportunity to preach on Resurrection Sunday. I'm going to let him handle the invitation. I'm sure that this morning, Mr. Schroeder has become your favorite preacher. (laughs) And that you could keep tabs. How much would would Miami benefit if this man would shepherd this city? And we we held up men of God. Uh, Miami is known for a city of glitz and gloss. And and we, we have... Um, back in the 70s, they used to call this city the cemetery of preachers. They were, the preachers would not be able to be welcomed into the city. They didn't have an appetite for the word of God. And um, the end result of that is destruction and ruin. And, and we need men of God to preach the word of God. Um, and thank you for coming. Thank you for accepting our invitation. Um, I knew. Yeah. I didn't know what he would share, but I knew that God would use him to share the word of God. He knows the word of God. He loves the word of God. He's passionate. His life speaks louder than his sermons. And so this morning, you also have been challenged, and a lot of things have been revealed. A lot of people want to understand things before they commit to them. And so a lot of people want you to explain a lot of things and tell me about this and tell me about that, and I want to understand this, and I want to understand that, but... One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Hebrews 11.3 that says, by faith we understand. 
You're not going to understand without taking a step in the direction of faith. And faith comes by the hearing, and the Bible says the hearing of God's word. And you've heard it this morning. So now the expectation of you welcoming the Lord. Let the word of God dwell richly in you. Allow it. Give it permission. Because everything else wants to contest and contradict and challenge the word of God. And all it does is strip us. We've had uh, men in our ministry for years that have something called paralysis, uh, paralyzation through analyzation. They want to analyze so much they're paralyzed. They never get anywhere in faith because they want to understand it before they take a step of faith. And the truth of the matter, the Bible says, by faith, then you get understanding. At the beginning of my walk with the Lord, I didn't understand what the, what's the power of resurrection. Nick did an incredible job last night, my son, with his youth group bringing the forefront of the power of the resurrection. You could hear that message online. Um, but stand this morning with me. We're going to do two things right now. We're going to give you an opportunity to welcome Christ into your heart. Mr. Schroeder has done a great job in expounding the word of God. It's rich. It's challenging. And now you have the opportunity to welcome and say, Lord, I need you. I need the power of the resurrection. I invite you into my life, into my future, into my career, into my family, into my finances, into my purpose and significance in this world. So bow your heads and pray with me. Father God, say it out loud. Father God, thank you for this day of resurrection. Today I repent and I acknowledge the work that you did in the cross. You gave your son to die and to shed his blood as the payment and the perfect sacrifice of my sin. Today... I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Write my name down in the Lamb's book of life. I know Jesus died, and I believe that on the third day, he rose from the dead. Thank you for this salvation. Lead me in the direction of your word. Make it a lamp unto my feet. Make it the bread of life. Man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God thank you for this day of salvation thank you for this day of resurrection in Jesus name we pray amen I congratulate you yeah let's give a big hand to the Lord I believe we have a, a little gift there Jason you could help them out bring this thing out it's a little bit big here we're going to sing happy birthday to Spring of Life. We're going to ask Pastor Richie. Where's Pastor Richie? Could you get on the piano over here? And we're going we're gonna to jam to the lamb. We're celebrating our 21-year anniversary of this church. We have a cake here. Happy birthday, Spring of Life. And uh, I don't know if you have a 21-year-old, but now he's ready to, to become an adult and take responsibility. The church, Spring of Life, is an adult. It's now ready to do great things for God. And if you could join me, we'll sing happy birthday, spring of life. And uh, we're celebrating all day the power of the resurrection, the celebration of our 21 years during the month of April. And we just rejoice that we're handing our children a legacy, an inheritance, so that they might introduce it to their friends and to their families and have a place of fellowship. And Pastor Richie there is heating up the keys. Happy birthday to you. It's kind of complicated.
Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, spring of life. Happy birthday to you. Now, it wouldn't be a, a celebration day without Richie uh, singing this uh, a, a Latino with a little bit of salsa. If you were here on Wednesday night, but um, this is a celebration throughout the month. Every every celebration year, um, the heavens open up and God gives Spring of Life a, a present, a gift, and it's supernatural and it's it's miraculous and it's beyond wonder. And uh, this year we were starting out the month and we were trying to figure out what would God do this this year for Spring of Life. Um, it's, it's pretty much a, a an acknowledgement of our existence. It's a celebration for who we are and what we do. And we were wondering, 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 wondering. And uh, all of a sudden, Pastor Richie invites me to go up to New York and we, we have an appointment. And you can put the f uh, photo up on the screen there. Uh, we got to meet Steven Spielberg and give him a copy of What is a Man and talk to, uh, talk to him. <clears throat> talk to him about our work upon the world. Um, as soon as we said hi to him, and this is us in Brooklyn in one of the theater Broadway shows, he's doing the remake of the West Side Story. It's a story about Puerto Rican gangs and Italian gangs in New York. You can see it. It's a 1961 movie. They're going to do a remake, and Steven Spielberg has taken under his lap to do this. And so they needed a, since it was a Puerto Rican, New York atmosphere and it's a musical it's a broadway musical full with mambos and a lot of latin styles they needed the king of salsa which is richie ray to come and give me a professional consultant for three hours and uh when he met pastor richie and this was i almost fainted when i when they you know you're meeting i thought i thought steven spielberg was going to be all the way at the front i was like <laughs> no we were like as soon as they introduced richie ray to steven spielberg he responded like this. They, they go, Mr. Spielberg, this is Richie Ray. He goes, I know Richie Ray. I listen to his music in my car. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I freaked out. I don't know. Pastor Richie, come here and, and get, the, get the mic there. I, I think me, me and Richie were about to faint. You know, I, that would have been horrible if we would have fainted there. Um, <laughs> tell us, I mean, what did you think at that moment? I <laughs> 
It was amazing. I, I felt the same as you. I thought we'd see him from far away, you know. Uh, they were consulting. They want to they wanna get the music a little bit more correct. They want to, you know, everything is politically correct now. They want to get the music more correct. They wanted to get the Puerto Rican culture more correct. And so they, they asked me to go by. And uh, so I brought my son with me, you know. And... Um, well, I was amazed that, you know, we would have such close proximity to him, you know, and we were able to take a picture and whatnot. And uh, they did a, a panel, and I, I was part of the panel, and we spoke, and we went through a whole bunch of stuff. And the funny thing is that at the end, he says, okay, Richie, why don't you um, finish this up now? And I said, oh, my God, does he want me to pray? <laughs> you know, you... Wow, does he want me to say, go ahead, Richie, take the piano, you know? And so I went over to the piano, and I, I gave him a few notes of, uh, I want to live in America, blah, blah. Then I broke into a salsa, and, like, the whole cast was there and all the crew, and they just ran out and started dancing. Rita Moreno was there, and they started dancing, and they went crazy. And it was just a great opportunity for us to uh, kind of connect with him and connect with them. And I really want you all to pray, because, I mean, who, I don't know where this is going. I don't know what God is doing. I never thought something like this could happen. But it's amazing that we're able to give him the book, and I know, and, uh, and, and the pastor grabbed him and talked to him a few things there and had him thinking a little bit. And so, you know, who knows what could come of this. And uh, to us, it's just a privilege to be able to, you know, represent Jesus and all that. They know where we're coming from. They know where we're at. And so, you know, uh, the, you know, okay, we do the, the salsa thing, but we also do the Jesus thing. Amen. <laughs> it was a wonderful experience. Amen. Father God, thank you for this day that you have made. We ask your blessing upon your people. We ask your blessing upon our families, on our finances, on our careers, that you would just uh, direct our steps in every purpose, that the rest of the meetings today and our celebration throughout the day would be in your presence, under your shadow, God, that your hand would be upon our lives. We give you thanks in Jesus' name, and everybody says amen. amen. God bless you. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.